0: this is your first time watching this online, Uh, welcome, I'm glad you're here. We've been talking about uh, what does it mean to like be the church? We've, We've been trying to, it's just kind of ending the year with some vision and a reminder of what it means because so easy in America to just say I go to church but here's what we're discovering, Jesus never intended to create a place for you to go to but he wanted to call you into a movement and so do me a favor just to remind the person sitting next to you, would you just kind of shove them for a second if you know them and just look at them and I want you to say this to them, say I don't go to church, say it again, say I don't go to church, I am the church. And so are you. Come on, we don't go to church, we are the church this is important for us to get. And when Jesus decided, and he kind of told his disciples, he said, I'm going to build my church. He wasn't saying that I'm going to build a structure, a facility, but that I am going to create a movement, a groundswell movement that I am calling and inviting any of you who want to be my disciples. He said this, if you want to follow me, that you have to follow you got to actually go somewhere you actually have to move Jesus's favorite invitation was not an invitation to believe in him but to follow him and I want you to hear this to follow Jesus requires movement To follow Jesus is going to require you to actually move some things in your life. And that's what this series, Movement, is about. We're going to end this year being challenged to be part of the movement. Now, if you've got your Bible with you today, I would love to look at something that Jesus said. I would encourage you to get your Bible out, your electronic device, to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 14 in a moment. But I feel that if we are going to say, hey, I'm a Jesus follower, and I know not all of you might be Jesus followers. Maybe you're investigating faith. We're glad you're here. Okay? But if you're someone who says, I'm a Christ follower, then here's the thing. I think it matters what Jesus said about life and how to live life. And in Matthew chapter 5 specifically, we find Jesus' probably most famous sermon of all. Sometimes we refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount. But I would argue and say this was probably Jesus' primary message that he gave all the time and everywhere he went. You should know this. Jesus didn't just kind of pastor a church in Nazareth, but Jesus actually moved from place to place to place. He was an itinerant preacher. He went from town to town to town, which meant he always had a new audience. New audience, same message. So I imagine Jesus said this over and over and over again. In Matthew chapter five, if you're there, we're gonna start verse 14. Something Jesus said specifically about you. Yeah, you. This is, this is about you. How do I know that? Look at beginning, first word, chapter 14. He says, you. So this is Jesus looking at us. And he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill Cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bull. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Would you all mean say those two words? See your? Say it again. See your? Notice he didn't say, so they see you sitting in church on Sunday. So they see your great posts on Facebook. He said, so they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now what's interesting is in another time, moment, Jesus had made this incredible declaration. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, that's the big question, does not walk in darkness but has the light of life in them, John eight twelve. But now Jesus flips it around as he's looking at an audience and he says, but you, not just me, can I say this about you? You are the light of the world. In other words, Jesus, when he he said, I'm the light of the world, We think about Christmas and lights, and yes, because Jesus came into the darkness of despair and disease and depression of our world, and he brought hope and he brought light. And so Jesus said, not only am I the light of the world, but by the way, if you're gonna follow me, you're gonna be the light of the world, which means you are supposed to carry that same hope, that same grace into every arena you walk into. You're the light of the world, not to be hidden but to be out on display for everyone. I just kept thinking about light. and I think sometimes, can I just say this, we can be in church so long that we hear these phrases, and oh, you're the light of the world, and it sounds great, we celebrate Christmas time, but we never really get the deep, full meaning of this. And so I started thinking about light, and the moment I started thinking about light, it just all fell apart from there. Because I would like to go back to um, part of our origin series. Sorry if you hated it, but... Okay, I got a few people that like science here. The rest of you are like, oh, dear Lord, no. Please, can we not? But my, my favorite message of the whole series, by the way, pastors do have favorites. They like some of their own messages, and they hate a lot of them, okay? But my favorite was week two, probably, of the whole series, uh, where I talked about where did the universe come from? Because one of the things we've discovered through science is is understanding light has actually helped us understand the universe better, and oh, by the way, it's helped us understand us better. And so I want to revisit, if we could, just for a moment, what we understand about light because light is so central to God's world, his creation, that we see Genesis 1-3, the first thing that we see spoken was that God said, let there be light, right? And all of a sudden, boom, there's light, and I challenge you all to say, but God hadn't created the sun yet. What's that light? That there's light in our world that we can see, and there's light that we can't see. Okay? That everything around us in this universe that has energy has light. Okay? That it's giving off light. It's giving off what's called electromagnetic radiation. So, okay, so let, let, me, let me see if I can kind of um, point back to one of the most brilliant minds of the 20th century— a guy by the name of Albert Einstein. Have you ever heard of him, right? Einstein, I know you've heard of him. Okay, Einstein gave us probably the most significant, the most historic formula ever known in science. If you know it, why don't you help me out? E equals MC squared. See, we know that. We probably, most of you probably go, yeah, I just know the formula. I have no idea what it means. E equals MC squared. This is what came from his understanding, his theory of special relativity that he unleashed on the world in 1905. Okay, Albert Einstein came up with the connection, when it means special relativity, there's a relative connection, there's a relativity between space and matter and time. And he really kind of pointed, pointed it all out and it's all in this real simple little formula that we just think is Q equals MC squared and we just you know, say it's science e, but we don't know what it means. Basically, it means that energy and matter are interchangeable. The E energy equals the mass of an object times C, which is uh, speed of light. That's a constant, speed of light squared. Again, I won't go deep into this because it is really confusing and kind of complex, and there's a whole thing around it. But here's what it basically means, okay? Light is matter in motion, Okay, when, I, when we talk about light, here's what I want you to understand. Everything that moves gives off radiation, okay? Now, what, what you don't realize is that you, when you are moving around, you're breathing, when you're walking, you're actually giving off light, Now, not light in the sense that what you can see with your eyes, because you can't see it, but you are giving off light. Now, for everybody that's kind of glossy-eyed right now, let me say it this way. Movement creates light. We're going to connect all this to Jesus in a moment, okay? So just give me a second. Movement creates light. Now, not all matter moves, okay? Okay? Living matter moves, most non-living matter, things don't move. For example, I am matter and you're matter, okay? Basic things, we are matter, we're made up of atoms and molecules and things, okay? Everything in this world though is matter. The chair you're sitting on, can I tell you what? It's matter. This pulpit, guess what? It's matter. What's the difference between me and this pulpit? I also say it this way, okay? the difference between this matter and this matter is that I believe this matter matters, hello, <laughs> and so do you, okay, but, but there's a difference, so part of it is, is that the molecules, okay, and, and the, the atoms that make up this don't move, They're, they've got their structure and they don't move, which means that this does not give off light, I am right now giving off light. As I'm moving, as I'm talking, I'm giving off light. Now you're going, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see the light. I know you don't with your naked eye, but if I were to give you a thermal scope Okay, if I were give you, if I gave you a thermal scope. Like, think of the Predator. You think of the movie Predator and the alien, and you the little scope, and you see the thing. Or if you ever watch on TV shows, and you got the SWAT team, and then they got the thermal goggles on, and they're looking at night, and they can see like they can see figures inside of buildings, and you see the red and the yellow and the different colors. That is the radiation or the light given off by living objects as they move. We are all giving off light. You just can't see it. Unless you use the right tool, okay? Are you following me? Are you with me? Are you with me? I just want to make sure you're with me, right? So the difference, listen, I want you to get this, between me and this is I'm moving, this isn't moving, okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand. For matter to matter, it has to move. Some of you might want to write that down. You're going to go like 3 o'clock later in the afternoon, you're going to go, oh, I get it. I had no idea what he was saying. For matter to matter, it has to move, in other words, matter that is moving is matter that we would all look and go, that matters, it has purpose. Now, I want you to connect that to what Jesus said. Jesus looked at people, his disciples, and he said, you are the light of the world. And then he said, oh, by the way, and let your light shine before others. What are you going to have to do for your light to shine before others? You're going to have to move. We've been talking about movement. Movement. What what do I mean? I'm not talking about in a physical sense. I'm talking about a deeper level. So I hope you're following me. I'm talking about is your life moving in the direction of others in the same way Jesus did. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your faith. That they may see your belief. That they may see your precepts. That they may see your statement of faith. No, but they may see your good deeds. They should see the movement in your life. They should see the love coming out of your life, the expression of serving and the expression of your giving. They should see that movement in your life. And and so let me ask you a question, Just just a simple question. Can people see you? See, they don't see you when you just say, I go to church. They don't see you don't see when you sit in church do do they do you give off light when you're at work do you give off light when you're with your classmates your friends at school do you give off light when you're with your unsafe family Do you give off light? In other words, is there a movement to your faith? Are you giving off light? Because here's what I found a lot of times in our world today, our culture, even in the American church, is that a lot of times we're more obsessed with people hearing us than seeing us. We want the world to hear us, okay? We would rather, and I've seen this, and this displayed by the church, let's stand on a street corner with a sandwich board and a bullhorn, in our, and let's yell at everybody, you're going to hell. If you don't turn, you're going to burn. And guess what? Jesus didn't ever say, I want the world to hear you. He said, I want the world to see you. I don't need the world to hear you with a bullhorn. I'd like the world to see you actually serving them, loving them, packaging meals for them, building wheelchair ramps for them, building furniture for them, actually doing things that matter. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, so let your light shine. And and um, unfortunately, at times, the church has, has been known more for its pone- uh, potential energy than its kinetic energy. I, I made a mistake this um This week, as I was uh, studying Google, um, (laughs) sometimes God speaks to me through Google in Genesis, okay? And I I made a a mistake this week uh, because this is just, just so you know, this is the way my weird brain works, okay? I'm reading, Jesus said, You're the light of the world. I'm going, What does that mean, even? You know, and then I'm, being, I'm starting to think about light and electromagnetic radiation and energy and equals mc squared. And I'm starting to think about all this stuff. And then I make a deep dive into thermodynamics because I'm thinking about energy because things radiate with energy. And there's a connection between energy and light. And I, again, I apologize for this. But I, I'm diving into this. And you know what I discover? That there's really only two basic forms of energy. I mean, there's a lot of, there's chemical and there's all these different things, but really they're byproducts of two basic forms of energy that exist in our world. Uh, one is called kinetic energy. The other is potential energy. Now, kinetic energy is what I'm doing right now. Kinetic energy is energy that is released whenever something moves. It's kinetic. You probably heard that term. You probably heard of it. Kinetic energy, that's, that's what I'm doing right now, okay? Uh, some of you... You're, you're more potential energy right now, okay? Uh, you're not moving, but you have the potential of moving, right? Potential energy is a little different. Potential energy is kind of what it sounds like. It's, it's that an object has the potential for kinetic energy, and it is stored up in it. Now listen, potential energy is not just something sitting there, but it's when there is the potential of that object to release in the kinetic energy. Let me give you an example, because some of you look really confused right now. <laughs> Maybe you just always look like that. I don't know. but just this is my perspective, okay? Okay, sometimes, uh, if, if, like imagine a big wrecking ball in a junkyard. Like you've seen those big, huge, massive, big wrecking ball, okay? On the ground, it is neither potential energy nor kinetic energy. It's just an object sitting there. There's no energy. It's not moving, okay? There's no light. There's nothing, Okay. If you take a a, a wrecking ball, though, and you hoist it to, say, 20 feet up into the air and suspend it over top of a junky car, because that's what they do to smash them, right? And, And that wrecking ball, based on gravity and the mass and all that, has what's called potential energy, right? Like, if you were to release the cable, the wrecking ball would then convert from potential energy to, can you guess, to... Kinetic energy as it is dropping to the earth and smashing the car. So the wrecking ball, when it is suspended, has potential energy. And here all of a sudden I'm beginning to kind of like see and God's like putting all these dots together for me. And and I realize that we can can have one or two things in our life. We can have potential energy or kinetic. Potential energy is that uh, there's a lot of potential. But can I say this? No one's ever done anything great with just potential. Now, I know somebody might have said to you one time, oh my gosh, you got potential, right? She's got potential. Go. Can I tell you this though? Potential never graduated from high school. It takes work to graduate from high school. Potential never won, won a national championship. Mm-mm. You, you, it takes the action of actually doing it and winning it. What, I, what I'm trying to say is, there's a difference between the two. Now, now, here's the thing I want you to understand this. I, I actually believe that kinetic energy has the ability to change the world, but I also believe there's far more potential energy around us and in us than we even realize. In fact, there's something really fascinating when you explore the creation of our world, and when you explore what God's created, you know what I discover? I discover that not only did God create things, but God created potential. God put this massive potential in our world. I wanna show you something. You don't have to turn there in Genesis chapter one, just the first chapter, this kind of narration of, of creation. In Genesis chapter one, verse 11, look, I want you to see the, see if you can identify the potential. I made it kind of easy, but, but see if you can identify it. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation. It produced seed-bearing plants and trees on the land. And these things, um, the seed-bearing plants and the trees on the land, they bear fruit with what in it? Say it again. With what in it? With seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. God said, let the land produce vegetation. And then it produced seed-bearing plants and trees. There is nothing with more potential in this world than a seed. The smallest of things that we have actually has the ability to produce multiples over and over again. You can take a a seed and if you want to start a garden, you put the seed in the ground and the seed can produce tomatoes over and over and over again. Okay, there's something powerful about the seed. I love, I love um, Dr. Schuler once said a quote that's real famous. He said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples or apple trees in a seed. And if you don't know what that means, you take a seed and you stick that seed in the ground and watch what happens to it. It'll produce a tree that'll produce over and over and over again. In other words, when God created the world, he created a world with potential inside of it. Now listen, God didn't just put that in plants and trees. God also put it in animals. And let me say it this way. He put it in you. God God didn't just create mankind. He created mankind with potential. He created mankind. In fact, if I could say specifically to the men for just a moment, did you know that God put potential inside of you? God put seed inside of you? Are you following me, guys? Yep. And you know what's, what's interesting about the way God created us, male and female, is that man's potential is never fully realized unless it's with a woman. Is this getting a little weird for any of you? Do you feel like I just, I don't even know. Should I laugh? Do I not laugh? What are, you, what are you inferring? By the way, a whole entire sermon, I might save that for a relationship series. I've got an idea for one. So I hope it's gonna, we're just gonna file that one away. But, but God put seed inside of you, men. Okay, that is potential. And he looked at mankind when he created them in Genesis 1.28, when he made them both male and female, and he said, go forth and sit around and do nothing. No, that's not what he said. When he created mankind, he said, be fruitful. Multiply and fill the earth, okay? You can't do that with potential energy. You need kinetic you need. You follow me? You need kinetic. Yeah. Kinetic. Some of you guys, the only thing you're ever gonna hear today, you get home, and tell your wife, "What did God? What did God speak to you?" I think we need to get kinetic. I, that's all I. That's all I remember. What'd you hear? God put potential inside of us of a lot of types. But that potential is meaningless if it doesn't get released. Like the wrecking ball, potential energy, doesn't matter unless it gets released. Matter that matters moves. Okay? Now, something interesting as well, since we're talking about kinetic energy and seed, um, Did you know that at the point of fertilization, which is when you release the seed in fertile soil? Just say it that way. (laughs) At At the point of fertilization, something magical happens. When the potential that God put within us gets released and put in the right environment, in the right soil, something magical happens. In fact, we actually have video of it. Not like what you're thinking, sorry. I just, I, I meant like under a microscope. Okay, this is not going the way I thought it would. But under a microscope, it captured a moment of, of, of when some eggs were fertilized. And I, I wanted to show you just a little five second clip. So turn your attention to the screens. If you're watching online, turn your attention and take a look at this. Did you see it? All right, some of you missed it because you blink. Okay, this has slowed way down. Can we show it one more time? One more time. Just go ahead and stick up one more time. Those are eggs being fertilized. The moment the seed gets released into, into an egg, here's what's beautiful. Energy happens. Kinetic energy happens. And there's a flash of light at the moment it happens. Did you know the inception, at conception there's a flash of light? And it's actually, they know scientifically that it's zinc molecules in the egg and something chemically reacts when the seed hits it and all of a sudden it goes off like fireworks. And so I'm thinking to myself, when when God talks about light, there's more to it than what we often just think. And there's something about the kinetic energy Listen to me, I'm not talking just now about yourself or your seed, but there's something about the kinetic energy of our lives that is released the moment we sow the potential that God has given to us, the resource, the gifts, the talents, the energy that you have, the moment that you let go and you release it and stop storing it, something happens, light happens, and all of a sudden the world begins to take notice and will glorify God. This is is important for us to get. And when I think about potential, I think about how much potential exists within the church. Can I just say something? I believe that the local church has the potential to change the world. Nothing else in this world is going to do it. No government, no empire, but I'm telling you nothing like the local church that Jesus said, this movement I'm gonna start is going to radically change the world. And I don't believe anything else has the potential to change the world. Can I tell you something, though, that is really sad? That the reason why that the world is not being changed the way I believe it has the potential through the church is because the people in the movement, the church, are not releasing the potential. This is where it it gets quiet. The reason why the world doesn't see... And take more notice of the God that we follow is because the people who are his followers are not releasing the potential that God has put in them. Not releasing the seed that God's put in them. Whether it's their active lives, sharing their faith, serving, giving. Can can I just tell you something? I believe the, the church of Jesus Christ, the global church, has the ability right now today, with those who claim to follow Jesus within them, has the ability to end global poverty. We don't need governments to come together. We don't need the UN to do it. The church could do it today. The church could do it. It could do it today, I believe it. Could address the lack of education around the world. It could address diseases and things that we have cures for today in first world nations that can't reach third world nations or there's not the money to do it. We could fix all of this today. There's that much potential within the church. I'm glad we're clapping because the answer is we have to release it. We have to release it. We have to sow it. We have to invest it. We have to put it in something beyond ourselves. Not just our world, not just our lifestyle, but something bigger. I was i was uh, reading some statistics that I wanted to share just because I think there's far more resource. We're so blessed in this nation. Financially, I'm talking about even. We're so blessed. and And, and yet... There's a, there's a lack in the global church to address these things, even though God's blessed us with so much. And I came across this uh, site, nonprofitsources.com, that gave some national statistics on giving in the church. And I want you to hear some of them, because I, I was kind of shocked, but then I really wasn't. Uh, of those in the church, only about 5%, they said, according to their statistics, give an actual tithe. Whereas eighty percent of Americans give only about two percent of their income that's not just, that's not just believers that's not just Jesus followers that's all Americans. About eighty percent of all Americans give only about two percent of their income, whether it's charities, nonprofits, churches, whatever it might be. Uh, Christians on average uh, give about two and a half percent of their income so where, where our, our country on average those who believe and those who don't, those who attend church, those who don't, give about 2%. Those who claim to follow Jesus give a half percent more. I guess it's a little better. It's just not the light I thought it would be. And if you compare that with 100 years ago or so during the Great Depression, during the Great Depression, Christians gave about 3.3% of their income. So when they had nothing and they were struggling the most, they actually gave more than what we have given in our plenty now. That was That was kind of eye opening. The average giving by adults in Protestant churches in the U.S. is about $17 a week, which, in in other words, means a lot of people are spending a whole lot more money on coffee than they are putting it in God's kingdom. There's nothing wrong with coffee. I mean, have fun. Drink your $5 coffees. That's good. That's what Russ loves his coffee. I'll give it to Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. Um, this was shocking. 37% of regular church attendees and evangelicals don't give at all. Potential energy. The problem is the world doesn't see potential. The world sees kinetic energy of the church. When we talk about you are the light of the world, the, the church sees n- not what's potentially in the church but sees what actually comes out of the church and though in one sense I read this and I'm, I'm a bit discouraged when I think of nationally and globally about the church and, and what we could be doing on the other side I look at it with that glass half full and I think there's a lot of potential in the church there's a lot of potential it just needs to be released and so We end every year with inviting people, not requiring, but inviting people to be part of that. We end our year strong to really help us as a church and a ministry to be able to do things going into the next year by inviting people to help us with an end-of-the-year offering. And again, if you're someone who's a regular, if you're new, you go, man, do they talk about this all the time? No, we talk about giving for about 30 seconds every single week, and that's it. But I believe that there are times when we need to be reminded of what it means to be part of a movement and something bigger than ourselves. And when we need to be called and challenged to actually step into the movement so that we can be the kinetic light that Jesus wants in the world. I, I think there are moments, there are times. And so I, I, so if, if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but if you want a pastor that won't make you uncomfortable, then you can go sit somewhere and not grow. But if you want to grow in your life and in your faith then sometimes you got to be challenged. I have to be challenged or I won't grow. And so the the reason why there's so much potential in the church, but it's not being realized is because, honestly, a lot of the people who say they're Jesus followers aren't actually releasing their potential, their potential to serve, their potential to actually do outreach, their potential to give. Instead, church has become something where I come and receive and take rather than actually a movement that I'm a part of. And so if you want to be a part of this movement, I'm glad. If you want to come and say here, you can. You're going to feel uncomfortable at times like this because I'm going to challenge you to actually be part of it. I am. I'm going to challenge you in these kind of moments. And I think, I think we need these. I, need to, I get challenged every year when we do this because I'm thinking about all the things that we need to buy and all the things and I don't know how much money and all this. And I don't have money and savings, but I don't really want to part with it. And that's when God has to speak to me and say, Tim, are you going to hold on to that potential or are you going to release it so that I can do something through my kingdom? Now, I, I, want, to, I want to take the, the last minutes that we have, and I want, to, I want to challenge all of us a little bit in regards to giving this offering and, and just in general. Um, the Apostle Paul actually speaks directly into the moment we're about to have next week, and it's going to be a powerful experience. You don't want to miss it. Okay, even if you don't wanna give a dime, I don't care, please come. It will, it will really move your heart and you, it'll, it'll inspire your faith. That's what I hope. And the apostle Paul was speaking to a church in Corinth and he was challenging them about taking up an additional special offering. So it's really a very fitting moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse seven, I want you to hear what he says to this church as, a, as an apostle, as a pastor. He, he looks at them and he said these words. He said, but since you excel in everything, like, wow, you guys are doing great. Like, I, just, I look at you in this church, and this community. He said, since you excel in everything, what, in, what does he say? You excel in faith? I see your faith is growing and expanding. I love that. In speech, I see it in the language and the things and the way you talk to the world. In knowledge, I can tell by the way you're understanding Christ and you're understanding what it means to follow him. In complete earnestness, that's your passion. And in the love that we have kindled in you, we can feel it, we can see it. He said, see that you also excel in this what? Everybody say it, in this grace of? Here's what he's saying. I love that I see you growing. This is what every pastor wants, every shepherd wants. I love that I see you excelling. The word excel means to abound. It means to increase. It means to expand, to go beyond. He says, since I see it, you're growing in your faith, and I love it. And you're growing in the way you talk to each other. And you're growing in your passion. You're growing in the way you love and what you understand about his word. I love all that. But see to it that you also grow in the grace of giving. So often we go, I, I, I just want to be in a place where I can grow spiritually. Perfect. This is part of it. This is what it means to grow spiritually. It means also to grow practically in the grace of giving. So, what does he mean to excel in the grace of giving? And I believe there is a grace and there's a beauty, and something happens in our lives when we actually release the seed that God has put in us. I want to share with you in our remaining time uh, four levels of giving. Because you say, okay, how do I excel? How do I increase? How do I grow in the grace of giving? I I would love for you to write these down. Four levels, they all begin with R. And here's my challenge to every person who's a part of this church. Here's what I'm gonna ask. I want you to think when we're going through this, which one describes your level, where you are, and what would it take for you to go to the next level, to grow in the grace of giving? The first level is called random giving. That's your first R, random giving. What is random giving? Random giving is when you see a need and spontaneously something inside of you says, I should meet that need, and you should. When you see somebody that is without food, what you should do is instead of sitting there eating your lunch in front of them, you should probably go over and say, hey, can I give you some of my food? Would you take it? That's random giving. Random giving is when it's a spontaneous spur of the moment, compassion wells up inside of you, and you go, I should step in and help this. Now, can I just tell you, this is a base level of giving that we see throughout the world not I'm not talking about Jesus followers right now I'm talking about a base this is human this is human giving this is what we do when there's a natural or global disaster and all of a sudden they have these big GoFundMes they have this and say let's help this family that just went through this tragedy they don't have the money for the surgery let's help because this big storm it just wiped this out let's go help and we all give and the world does and it's beautiful, it's incredible, but it's the base. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're someone who says, I believe in following him, that's, that's the starting point, whether you have faith or not, okay? Random giving, we should all do that, we should all do that. That's, that's down here, that's down here, that's that's baby things, we're gonna grow, we're gonna grow. The second level is called recurring giving. Recurring giving, okay? Recurring giving is when you actually schedule a percentage of your giving to go to something you believe in. That's recurring giving. Now, um, you'll see this, and maybe you've seen this at your workplace, but you don't have to be a believer. You don't have to be a follower. I mean, there's a lot of good people in this world that give a percentage of their income, whether they trust to believe in God. has nothing to do with it. Okay, you may see this at your workplace where they go, hey, would you like to give 1% or 1.5% or 2%? Here's a list of charities or organizations that you can give it to. And many of you have signed up, and you've done that. That's awesome. That's recurrent giving. Why is that better than random giving? Because you're not just waiting for a a moment or a need. You're actually sowing it in front. You're saying this matters. Now, can I just say for the hundreds of people that call this place your home, that do a level, a version of recurrent giving, please hear me right now. Listen to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll clap that. Thank you. Can you hear me? This place This community, the story we heard from Katie, the stories we heard of Brittany and Tony and their lives being changed even in this series, they don't happen if it's not for the recurring giving, the people who schedule a percentage and they say, I'm gonna give it no matter what to the church because I believe in the mission of the church and I wanna be a part of expanding the kingdom of God. So please hear me. Thank you. We can't go and do outreach like we did. By the way, when we pack 15,000 meals, we have to pay for it. We don't just come and do it for free, we bought it. You bought it with your giving, okay? When we build furniture for families in need, you paid for that with your giving. Those of you that schedule it, you say that, thank you so much, we can't do this. We can't do it without you, okay? That's the the second level. The third level though, I wanna level up, level up. The third level, is called relational giving. We start with random. We grow to recurring. But we eventually, I, I pray what we get to what's called relational giving. What's relational giving? It's when you are so moved by what God has done for you. When, when you realize what all He has sacrificed to give you, the fact that Jesus gave his life for you, that he gives you peace, that he fills you with joy he extends grace when you don't deserve it and I don't deserve it. Gives us mercy and forgiveness. And when he gives me eternal salvation, though I don't deserve it. See, what happens is something inside of me wants to reciprocate that kind of love. Just like when your spouse really loves on you and dotes on you and does something, there's something in you that goes, oh, no, no, me too, me too, me too. That's the way it is with God. And relational giving is when you realize, God, you have done so much, and I, I sense and I feel your love so much. I want to reciprocate it back to you. So how do you do that? It's by honoring God and putting him first. This is relational giving. Relational giving says, God, you matter more than the stuff I want to buy, the kind of house I want to live in, the vacations I want to You matter more to me than any of that. So I'm going to honor you with the first fruits of my increase. In the church, we talk about it, it's called the tithe. Yeah, that's, right. that's our measure of the first fruits. How do, I, how do I practically say, God, I place you first? It's real easy to say that. It's real easy to answer, are you a Jesus follower? It's real easy to say, are you a Christian? But that's potential energy. Kinetic energy is when you express your love back to him, and you say, God, I'm going to give you the first fruits. The word tithe means a tenth part. I Means a tenth part. But look, hear this. This is not a command. This is not a requirement. This is, this is done out of relationship. It's a relationship. It's a reciprocal, loving relationship. I think there's a beautiful picture of this I wanted to show you very early in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 14. This is before the law is given. For those of you who go, well, isn't that an Old Testament law? No, no, no. This is not a law thing. This is a love thing. In Genesis chapter 14, there's a moment with a guy named Abraham. You've probably heard of him. And Abraham actually goes to fight against these kings. He's outnumbered, but he goes to rescue his nephew Lot that was taken, and God gives him victory. And after he comes back and realizing that God gave him the victory, he gets visited from a character in the Old Testament that you don't hear anything else about that most believe is actually a picture or representation of Jesus showing up in Genesis 14. I wanna read this to you. Genesis 14, uh, verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek... If you want to study any of this, go look in Hebrews and look up the word Melchizedek in the New Testament. You'll look it up. You'll connect it. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Where do we hear about bread and wine? Where do we hear about bread and wine? Oh, yeah, communion. When Jesus, with with his disciples in the Last Supper, and he, he said, when you do this, you remember me. Here's a picture. Remember him. Okay? He was the priest of God Most High. I love to point this out. He was not only the king, he was king of Salem, but he was also the high priest. The only place in scripture where the high priest and the king are the same is Jesus. He was the king, he's the high priest of the most high and he blessed Abram, verse 19, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. Here's how God blessed you. This is what he did and I love the response. Here's the response. Then Abram gave him a what? Come on, say it again. Then Abram gave him a? He gave him a 10th of everything. This was not required. This was a response. Thank you, God, for the way you protected me and the way you delivered me and the way you gave me victory. And because of that, I, in response, will give you a 10th of everything that you've given to me. This is, now listen, but it's reciprocating. Here's the beautiful part about relationships. Relationships are reciprocating. It's not a one-time transaction. It's reciprocating. So when we realize what God has done for us, our relational response of love is, God, I'm gonna give you the first fruits, the first 10% of my increase. When I sell my house and I made money, the first 10%. When I got a big bonus, the first 10%. When I get paid, the first 10%. I'm gonna do this. Now, here's the cool part. When God sees that, it stirs him. And now he's like, oh, well, if you're gonna do that, I'm gonna turn around and do this. Because then he turns around and he promises this. Listen, Malachi 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. See the reciprocal nature. This is a relationship giving. This is relational giving. God, you've done so much for me. I'm gonna honor you with the first fruits. And God says, oh, you're gonna do that? Okay, watch what I'm gonna do with you now. Because at the end of the day, he invites us into a movement. And as long as the generosity can continue to move through you, he's like, I'll get it to you. I'll get to you you when it moves through you. But if you stop up the potential I'm going to stop giving it. All of us want to be blessed by God. The Bible's made it real clear. The moment there's movement in your life, the moment you release the seed, the moment you release the potential I put within you, God's like, I'll give you more. I put more, there's more to come. There's more where that came from. Now the fourth level is, it's probably the most challenging one. Fourth level is called radical giving. Random Recurring, relational, and radical. Radical giving is beyond the 10%. Radical giving is beyond the regular, okay, God, I'm gonna give you this. Radical is, is when you have an opportunity to give an end of your offering and you just feel so stirred that you're just gonna give something that maybe even feels like a sacrifice. By the way, the reason why this space exists for all of you that are newer and have been coming since we opened the space is because there were hundreds of families that gave radical giving. This was above and beyond what we needed to be able to keep the doors open and and to be able to pay the staff and do this. They gave, it's radical. Why is it called radical? Because not everybody does it. It's radical. They, They give beyond that because they're so moved by the mission of Jesus. I wanna see the world changed. This is radical giving. Now, here's the beautiful part of what God promises. He says, by the same measure that you give, it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken, and running over, says in Luke 6 38. In other words, you can't outgive God. And so I, I know that I'm challenging. maybe what I've I've talked to some people, and we've tried this in our lives. I haven't been always done this every. And it's not a this is not a requirement. This is a this is a grow in the grace of giving. There's grace here, okay? But one of the things that we've sometimes tried to do is that every year we try to increase our giving okay let's let's get we will give the tithe but i want to can we give a little bit more every single time and would we miss it if we gave a little bit more would we really miss it and we've tried to increase that all the time that's radical giving but you know what i found it's the radical movement of jesus that the world takes notice It's the radical love of God that the world sees and takes notice. That's the kinetic energy. And here's the fear. I know, I know, because you're thinking about next week. And for some of you, I hope that this is not just a one-time thing, but for many of you that are newer, maybe newer to faith, that maybe it's time to step into another level. Maybe some of you that it's been random, it's been a tip. Maybe God's gonna call you to a tithe. Maybe it's gonna, I'm gonna schedule and I'm gonna put God first. And it's gonna be a huge step of faith for you to do. I understand that's why we have to grow in the grace of giving. I've got grace for this, okay? I really do. But the biggest fear that we we usually have is that I don't know there's enough. If you're sitting there going, oh, that sounds great, giving 10%, no way I've done the budget. There's no way there's enough. I don't have enough. See, that's a scarcity mindset. And and we do that when we think that we're the source. But when we remember where the seed comes from in the first place, I didn't create the seed and you didn't create it either. When we remember that, that's when it changes things. And in the same context, I wanna read just two verses and then we're done. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11, here's what Paul said, because he knew knew that that church in Corinth would struggle too. Just like I struggle sometimes, I needed to hear this. He says this, now he, is God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your what? Everybody say it out loud, your store of seed. That's your resource. The God who gave it to you in the first place. The God who blessed you to be able to earn that wealth. The God who gave you the intelligence to do what you do. The God who blessed you in that. Says he will increase your store of seal, of seed. And get this, will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Now listen to me. You can't have a harvest if you don't sow it care a farmer how much seed they have in the barn until they put the seed in the ground it will not produce a crop i don't care how much potential you have i don't care how much money you make until you release it by faith it will not produce a harvest of righteousness but when we do god says now watch i'm going to refill your store i'm going to refill your store of seed verse 11 you will be enriched in every way so that you can be what say that loud so you can be Generous. Generosity is our privilege. You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. And when they see your good deeds, they will glorify your Father in heaven. When we take what is the potential that God has put in us and we sow it and we release it for his kingdom, all of a sudden now he can multiply it and he can do far greater than we could ever ask or think, or imagine. According to the power that's at work within the church, Ephesians 3.20 says. So my question to us today, and if you feel like the sept on your toes, you're welcome. Because I want to grow. I want to excel in the grace of giving just like I want to excel in all the other areas of my life. And I need this, we need this. My question is this, are you gonna store it or sell it? God has put incredible potential within the local church, but the world doesn't see potential. The world sees light. It sees the kinetic energy of the local church. I don't know about you, but that, that's what it means to be part of the movement. I wanna be part of it. And so my wife and I and our family, we're gonna give above and beyond. We're we're gonna go above and beyond next week. And I invite you and your family, if you're part of this church to pray about it. even if you're not, if you're brand new and you say, you know what? But I see all the good deeds that are coming out of this house. It's fertile soil. I'll invest in it. And I believe that God's gonna do even greater things in this next year because of the way we ended this year. Amen. Amen. Do bow your heads and pray with me today? Father, I am so challenged by the truth of your word. God, I pray today that there's no condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But I, I thank you for your grace. But I also thank you, God, you love us so much that you don't leave us where we are, but you challenge us. And so I'm praying right now that your Holy Spirit, God, would speak your holy spirit would challenge each and every one of us right now in the moment god what is the potential that we're holding that we're storing that you've given to us to sow? god how do we turn this potential energy into kinetic how do we release it so that the world sees the light god we want to be a, that city on a hill that cannot be hidden God, I want the community around Canal Winchester and Central Ohio, Columbus and beyond, I want them to see you because of this church. And so God, I pray that maybe whatever level you're calling us to take a step in, I pray that God, we'd respond. I pray we don't sit here and amen on Sunday, but not follow through on Monday. I pray God, give us the grace to know how to respond and the faith step out and to sow that seed into your kingdom. God, we are grateful for what you're going to do and the harvest that is going to come. And I pray that the world around us, God, would glorify our Father in heaven because of our faith on display. Well, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And everybody said, come on, let's thank God for his word today. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.